Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders insider, part of the Fans First Sports Network, joined by my dear friend, the one and only, the living legend, the great Johnny Shop. You can catch his podcast on the Michigan State Spartans when you go to the Fans First Sports Network. Listen, love this guy. Johnny, how are you? I'm good, Hondo. And I know it's hot out there, and I know there's storms out there, but the season is coming, so everyone's getting a little more excited. I'm in la-la land, and, and it's beautiful and sunny, and they're acting like the end of the world is coming with weather. It's hilarious. They're like, folks, we may get two or four inches. Yeah, although it is wild to think that basically a hurricane is going to be working its way up or something tropical working its way up the Baja coast all the way through California. So uh, I hope you got an umbrella. Well, we just certainly hope that everybody stays healthy and safe and it's fine. And to give them credit, the, it's so dry that the water doesn't really have anywhere to go. So, But you know what? It's been parched here in California for a long time and in Vegas where I live. And I know they're going to get a ton of rain up in Vegas too. So we're glad for the rain. Just hope no injuries. John, we got a ton to talk about. And I want to start with the Raiders because obviously this is a Raider subject. When Mark Davis moved the Raiders to Vegas, he could not get a stadium in Cal- in Oakland. Just couldn't do it. The people there didn't want it. He wanted to stay. It didn't work. And I'm not blaming the city of Oakland. I can totally see the arguments when governments say, listen, why, why should we give billionaires millions in free tax money? I have no issue with it, but it's a business. So if you don't do it, then you're going to live with the objects and and he needed a new stadium they raiders were unable to compete people say what do you mean there was lots of people there they didn't have luxury boxes see let me explain something that i know you know most people don't teams have ticket share so you want your teams to you know sell tickets but that revenue that comes from luxury boxes is for the team and so the raiders were a team that struggled with finances then they moved to vegas which there is no struggle. Mark Davis is rolling in cash. The the franchise is more than doubled in value. And in fairness to him, the tickets in the stadium are not overly priced. They're very fair. But casinos and ticket brokers and people just buying tickets on their own to make money bought those seats, and now it's the most expensive ticket in the National Football League, And that's not on Mark Davis. You know, that's the fact that it's a high commodity. It's a place where everybody wants to go visit. So if you live in Chicago and you got a chance 
in December when it's 10 below to go watch the Bears? Are you going to pick Soldier Field or take a weekend to Vegas? Well, a lot of people are going to take a weekend to Vegas. But I understand why fans are frustrated because they look at the stadiums and they see a lot of the other team's colors. Now we're here in, in Cali where every game I've covered in Cali, the crowd is bigger for the Raiders than it is for the home teams. Why? Because a lot of Cali fans who can't make the trip to Vegas will pay the extra money to get the seats here in Cali. I understand fans' frustration. I understand Mark Davis's position. I certainly don't blame him. But at the end of the day, I don't. I think this is what sports has become. You know, I have a friend who's a very large ticket broker in the Midwest. I mean, he has tickets everywhere around the country. And any event, border to border, coast to coast, it is a business. This is a business. And I understand both sides of the frustration, but I don't really think anybody's doing anything wrong. Your perspective. Yeah, really what you said at the end, I think, uh, stands out that nobody's really doing anything wrong. Um, you know, the way the NFL is set up, and I really first remember it um, when they did a bunch of expansion of stadiums. And a lot of new stadiums were built, including uh, the stadium outside of D.C. when Dan Snyder took over. Immediately, there was a focus on here's all this new revenue going to come from these boxes, and it's revenue that that team can spend. And they did that right away. They didn't do it very well, but they did it right away. After that, we saw a number of other new stadiums built. And when we did, there was deeper attention on the potential revenue from private seat licenses and luxury boxes. Uh, with frame of mind, with get in, in mind, the franchise in Oakland, the Raiders, th there was nothing they could do. They were not going to get a new stadium, as you said. There was no viable third or fourth renovation out there at the old Coliseum. And in order to compete in an already super tight and arguably the most competitive sport or business in the country, uh, they were going to need more. Um, demand, of course, drives up the cost of the ticket licenses, the, the suites, and the seats, as you mentioned. And what Raider fans have seen in Las Vegas is that that's on the way up right now. And under Understandably, everybody's looking around at the cost of a lot of things, including tickets to shows and games and getting a little concerned. Hey, am I going to be priced out? I think we keep in mind that markets can fluctuate. But what we've seen at Allegiant is just a response, unfortunately, just a natural market response to the supply and the demand. It's definitely contrast to what's gone on in Los Angeles, the home of the away fan, if you will. And maybe the Rams house and I guess the Chargers play there too, although they, you know, they didn't start there. Um, but man, oh man, they're known for having the most out of town fans. And we understand Los Angeles is a huge city and there's 10 million people in Los Angeles County, plenty of fans from around. Um, but contrast it that way, I would say, you know, sure. There'll be fans of other teams in Las Vegas, but correct me if it's wrong. It's nothing like what happens down there in LA. Nothing. All right. Next one is, I think I may have used my power of Hondo, which we both know doesn't exist. I'm mocking myself to have gotten you to change your mind on something. I Maybe. like the three preseason games. I would probably be happy with two. You were vehemently. And now all of a sudden, I think there's has Hondo convinced the litigator of something. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't remember being super opposed to it, but 
I'm considering it a little bit different way now, and you're going to have to give me room to let it evolve. The way it may be evolving is keep in mind the spring pro leagues that are there. But what I'm trusting out of maybe why three makes the most sense is at most we need a half or three quarters to tune up our ideal starting lineups. Okay. But what I'm trusting is, um, as hopefully rosters will expand and, and, and practice squads expand, I'm trusting that NFL teams trust their own eyes more than anything else they see on tape. So although there's tape for college and there'll be tape and more tape for these you know, spring leagues and the uh, pro spring leagues, what I'm catching or what's settling into my brain is three is probably the perfect amount to get enough evaluation of players that teams want to evaluate. So they've got their own evaluation on teams. They've got two or three games of tape of everybody else in the league. Maybe three does make the right amount of sense. And it it shortens it. Five weeks of preseason feels like too much. And they've done a good job of cutting it up as far as where they put the games. Uh, I think three may be the right number. So I would mark yourself down for having exalted your power. I think three makes the most sense for a unique We're reason. Like not not just, you know, that's enough hits or we don't want more guys to get injured, of course, or that's enough reps for our guys. But I guess what I'm considering is, and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the organizations are trusting their evaluation of what they see when their players are on their team, uh, maybe more than anything else. So maybe three is a magic number. John, I want to go to another thing. Now, you and I are both Spartans, so we loved watching this guy in college because he had a big hit on a Michigan quarterback, Jadavian Clowney. But even Steve Superior, uh, Spurrier, used to, you know, he basically threw him under a bus. Jadavian Clowney is one of the most talented football players that I've ever seen play. His biggest enemy is himself. And, and, you know, you'll watch him and he, and with all that talent, he'll blow somebody up and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's a beast. And then he'll disappear for 10 plays. And this is a guy that's ending his career on a bunch of one-year deals. I remember last year, Raider fan wanted them, him so bad. And I'm like, no, you don't. Um, you're going, you're going to pay him. And then he's going to only show up when he wants to. Um, I don't think he's a bad person. I'm not attacking his his character, but in my opinion, some things I've heard is, you know, he's not a bad guy in the locker room, but he's not. He's just there, and and it is frustrating for me when I see guys like. Let me give you Hunter Renfro, the Raiders wide receiver. There are bigger, faster, stronger wide receivers. He gets the most out of it because he's all heart. He's all heart. And, you know, you you watch guys like Max Crosby, all heart. Um, when you see that and then you see someone with the unnatural, God-given talent like Jadavian Clowney, and it's just such a waste. I don't feel bad for him. I feel bad for his talent. Your thoughts on the Jadavian Clowney situation? Yeah, it, it keeps going down this road. Um, a college career made famous, I think, by the, the targeting rule that basically came after him, which tried to call the clowny rule, but didn't really stick. And a famous last exit, if you will, when he when he hit the, the running back for Michigan in the 
backfield to end his college career. So off we go, right? Well, something got off track. And what you hear now is that he, he doesn't practice much and teams can't count on him practicing. Um, and that you hear that he's really not in the best shape. Um, and this is what it's turned out to be a number one pick is it, it almost looks like it. He, he's a situational player at best with no real guarantee of what you're going to get. Um, but not maybe as consistent in some of the little things that you talked about with some of those guys to close the gap or reach your ceiling as far as potential. Uh, what Han was describing there, I think is pretty easy to say applies to most American sports fans and probably fans in all the countries beyond is it's easy to root for guys who look like they're doing everything they can to reach their potential or go above and beyond it. And they're consistently demonstrating that they have. It's easy to root for those kind of guys, whether they're uh, Kirk Cousins or uh, Max Crosby, or whether they're, um, you know, a guy uh, like J.J. Watt, if everybody saw how hard he worked, where he said the secret kind of for me was, I feel like I haven't made it. I'm just starting over year one. Uh, on the other end of that is Clowney, that I don't know how many better places you could go than Baltimore. And they've done some good reclamation projects. But at this point in his career, it's it's a little astonishing to to see. And it, it's been astonishing to hear, you know, since he signed uh, some of the reports about basically just how much practice time you can count on him. Mm-hmm. That cannot bode well in season for anybody. You've got to have your best players leading and and you've got to have your best players practicing and participating again. Just look at hard knocks in season last year with JJ Watt. That's an example for everybody in the sport. Clowney has not had that reputation. Let's see if there's anything left in this tank or if this, if the gas is basically all spent. All right. The giants say they're going to start two corners. Um, I think this is fascinating to me. Um, you remember back when I covered college and I would evaluate players and I would evaluate so many. And one of the things I told people every year is, yeah, I look at a guy and get my opinion, but then I look at who offers them. Is it schools that, um, develop running backs really well? If it's that kind of school, I'm going to give them, you know, higher percentage on my list. If it's a school that's great at linebackers and and they offer, you look at teams, I think the most underrated ability of coaches, whether it's in peewee, whether it's in junior high, freshman, JV, varsity in, in, in school, college, or pro, is the ability to develop talent. Your thoughts on the Giants starting two rookie corners. Yeah, my thoughts of it uh, are coming from a little bit of a different angle that maybe I'm realizing uh, that I hadn't really thought of before. Uh, My first thought is, yes, there's development at the NFL level, but it's also the smallest level. If you think about people playing as kids, people playing in high school, people playing in college, there's likely going to be more development for more of those players um, at a lower level. So there's not a huge room for development, traditionally speaking, the NFL. Sure, some guys do, and if you stay in the league long enough, yes, but it's not like you're expecting massive development during year one, especially at a key position. Uh, 
The second thing I think is, and I think it's worth thinking about as we watch teams and, and what they do with their lineups is, it may not just be that, okay, they think these two players are ready to play at a sufficient level that really can compete for the NFCs, which is certainly their goal. It also may be that the coaching staff has figured out a way to potentially coach around a certain inexperienced level, whether it be in the defensive front, the linebackers, in this case, the cornerbacks. Have they figured out maybe a way to coach around that and or coach towards something else? And that's kind of what I'm interested to watch with the Giants. I want to see how many big plays in the passing game they give up uh, early. I want to see how those two young corners do. We don't expect them to be perfect, but Wink Martindale has a plan. And Brian Dable, I believe, has said, hey, go with it and let's take a shot at it. So when I saw this headline, it got me thinking. When I saw it earlier this week, I thought, you know, it's it's not always just about the players. It may also be that the Giants think we can coach around that for basically as long as we think we're going to need to before we might tweak back to basically our total base base thinking, if you will. And I'm curious, how often do you think that happens in the NFL? And is that something that some of us have not maybe thought about a lot before, obviously at the beginning of a season? It's a big deal because of the 53-man roster. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that because they'll look over at a college game and they got 100 guys or 110 guys whatever, because you got a lot of walk-ons, whatever. But it is a big deal in the NFL. You've got to play with what you have. Injuries are so brutal. And there are times you have to change your scheme because you just don't simply have the players. It's just, it's phenomenal. I was joking with an NFL general manager once who said, sometimes people think a six-foot, six, 340-pound six, defensive tackle or a six-nine 330 pound left tackle grows on trees and they don't understand. They just don't. And uh, I, I think that was, a, that's a good, good look there. All right. I want to go to something else. The number one rookie quarterback in the NFL after week one was Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders. He looked phenomenal. Now I'm telling you, I'm in practice every day. He's clearly the third string. He hasn't beat out Jimmy. He hasn't beaten out Brian. So we're not having this discussion um, because of him. But I'm a firm believer is if it's close. Now, I know, um, as you you know this, because we've been friends a long time, I'm friends with a lot of college coaches. Do, do you or do you not know that factually? Absolutely okay. true. Yes. Current coaches as well. Yeah, mostly. Yes. Lots of them. Yeah. And one of the things that a lot of coaches do, it's 50-50. I know one coach who's 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 very famous. Well, I know lots of them, but one who has told me if two players are close, I'm always going to go with the veteran. He's not going to do something stupid, which I don't believe that, I, but it's his belief. I know a lot of coaches that think if it's close, I'm going to go with the young guy because if he has time to develop, it's not going to be long till he's going to be past the veteran. I, I'm in the second school. I think of a veteran clearly isn't better than a rook. You get to get that rook in there and let him learn because if they're close, the rook's going to pass them. Now, uh, the the Washington Commanders have made the decision. I know you like the name Red Tails, but the Washington Commanders have made the decision to go with Sam Howell, the record-setting quarterback out of North Carolina. I think he was a fifth-round pick. And to start him, I know there's been a lot of <sighs> – 
But my opinion is you're paying these quarterbacks to be quarterbacks. And it sure worked out all right for Peyton Manning. There's a lot of guys it hasn't. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is a disaster, and everything I'm hearing out of Pittsburgh is a nightmare. Um, but my my point is, is if it's close, you go with the rook. I have no problem with this. Your thoughts on Sam Howell getting the nod as the number one guy? Well, let's yeah, let's take a look at in contrast with Trubisky. Uh, he was a guy maybe that didn't have enough college reps to even consider coming out. Down, he's picked where he is, and you see what happened. So let's assume that Howell has had plenty of and had plenty of college reps, so he's good to go. Let's keep that in mind. Let's go back and tie in our discussion earlier this offseason about the rookie contracts. Um, the rookie contracts come into play a little bit, and I think we're seeing something change in real time, which is if you draft a quarterback – there may be more of an upside to finding out what he could do where he's at far sooner. I mean, nearly right away in Howell's, in Howell's situation. Ron Rivera may be thinking, we're going to find out what this guy can do early because if it's really bad, we can adjust and get onto another track quickly. If it's really good, you know, we can maybe advance a little quicker. Or if it's good enough to, to get us going, hey, we're already – on the way, and we're going to be further ahead with him six weeks in than we would have been if he sat an entire year. Um, I think what we saw five, seven years ago in the college game, when you saw Nick Saban go to Tua during a national title game, when you saw some other schools maybe not change a quarterback when they maybe could have, now we're seeing situations where the teams at the top of that sport aren't afraid to change quarterbacks relatively quickly. I wonder if we're going to maybe see that a little bit at the NFL relative to new quarterbacks. And I wonder, my thinking on how is um, this franchise may be looking at it a different way and going forward a bit by going ahead and pretty immediately finding what this quarterback can do because they can probably make a decision quicker either way. And we've just seen the 49ers really all over the place with their quarterback health like we never saw last year. And in those moving parts, we've seen a guy that wasn't expected to even play any time, I don't even know when, jump all the way forward in Brock Purdy. And now he looks like, the 49ers look like, hey, we got a guy we can play with. And we've seen other guys, um, unfortunately, Lance, with the injuries, I don't know how much you can really tell, but the point is they had to find out right away what Brock Purdy could do. And I think that teams may be thinking, hey, if we've got a guy that we've taken that we think might be able to play, why don't we find out if he can play sooner than later? Um, what does that mean for the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell? I would hope that it means if there's a chance or if there's a realistic time that he should get some valuable game time at some point during the season, I think they're probably going to be more likely to consider doing that. Whereas in decades past, your third string, there's no way he's going in any game. Right. No, I agree with you. And and it's going to be interesting to watch because at some point you, you know, one of the things the Raiders have the only consistent thing with the Raiders in a long time, but especially the four years I've covered them is inconsistency and they haven't been able to get a lead. So the last five minutes, you can put a, some younger guys in to get some playing experience. Like you see in college, you know, I, I always laugh at people who mock Saban because he'll schedule a South, 
Alabama in week seven, eight, nine, ten, or a southern out, you know, or southeast coastal Carolina. Well, he's not doing that because he needs a win. He's going to get a win. He can go schedule a, a Minnesota, a Purdue, an Indiana, a Michigan State now. However, but he does that because he wants to be able to get a lead and then put in his young players and get them meaningful reps. And I think that's the name of the game now. That's one of the things. Is, and, and again, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, the Raiders win nine games. But is to keep them healthy, get some leads so you can get some young guys in there and get them reps. All right, last thing I want to talk about is I caused quite a firestorm this week when I tweeted about you give up three first-round picks to go get Trey Lance. And then – you're basically done with them after a year. And I said, and I said it tongue in cheek, because you know, you and I have talked about this last year. I do not believe John Lynch or Shanahan wanted Trey Lance. Now I was told that by people in the league, in the league. Um, And so I followed it up with a tweet or was someone over their head. Now, San Francisco has been great drafters and people who only saw part one of my tweet started ripping me. Oh, you got to give them grace. Look at how good they, I, I, I was making the point. You don't fire your whole scouting staff with that record. You got to look at, okay, why did they make that big of a blunder? And it, somebody over their head ordered that. I, I will, that's my opinion, but it's what I've been told by people in the league. And at some point, I mean, you gave up three first rounders and you're done with a guy after a year. That it's going to come out because that's just how the NFL works. They're all a bunch of gossiping, <laughs> but yeah, what a blunder. And it's a perfect example of how someone over the heads of the GM and the coach need to let the coach and GM do their job. And I, it's, it is highly revealing to me and why Mark Davis is a good owner. Because he knows what he doesn't know. And he's not tampering. I'm not saying it was an owner in San Francisco. I'm just saying someone above the GM and coach. That's my opinion and what I believe. But the point is, I think it shows to what kind of a, a an owner Mark Davis is. And uh, I think it's fascinating what's going on. I don't blame Lynch. I don't blame Shanahan. I think it's somebody over their heads, whomever that is, that tinkered and needs to stop tinkering. But I, I think it that situation is really a testimony to Mark Davis. Am I wrong? I don't think so, but let's talk about what's going on there in San Francisco because it's a massive criticism and on the other side, a massive compliment at the same time. So somebody came in and cherry picked for the 49ers and they drafted and developed so well that you're able to overcome that, you know, other yeah. than the Eagles overcoming the debacle they had, which is all uh, Howie Roseman and staff, which is unreal. The 49ers have done enough to overcome that to where it doesn't even look like it's a, a bump in the road. If this is indeed the end for Lance, for whatever reasons, including injuries. So it's actually a huge compliment to them on the yeah. other, uh, other side. Is this going to be what gets him in the end? Is this going to be this really removal of three first round picks? Um, is that going to be what ends up keeping them out of a Super Bowl or from winning a Super Bowl as their window is open now? 
and I would think would have been helped a lot by potentially those picks. So it's not as if, if Trey Lance is gone tomorrow from the 49ers, it's not as if the damage is gone, regardless of how good they look at covering up for it. And the last thing that it comes to mind is, um, of course, I think of uh, Jack Cook, who was a pretty good owner, letting people do their thing. Um, I think of other owners uh, and other teams and cities that you've been around and, of course, know um, that have also derailed franchises, sometimes by picking way too much, like the team in Washington. Uh, And Jerry Jones, I guess, to his credit, sees that he has a mixed record in picking, drafting, and and, and free agency. Uh, And to his credit, he says, give me the credit, give me the blame. This is my team. I'm going to do what I want with it. So nobody really has an issue there. I think it's difficult for coaches and GMs and staffs when they've got a plan, they're going down a track and somewhat out of nowhere, here comes a, a cherry pick. We want this, this guy here. We're going to take this guy there. I think that's happened at half dozen to 18 franchises at times uh, in the NFL. And we know it's happened to at least a half dozen. I don't remember it ever happening really, really well where team didn't want a guy. Someone else said, you got to take him. And that turned out to work really well. I can think of examples where it didn't go well. I know you can too. Um, This story doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's over. That's the interesting thing. I wonder if this is going to be like the 49ers are like, ah, we were like a player short. Or I wonder if this is going to come back and almost get them twice on the back end. It'll be fascinating to watch. He is the one and only, the great John Shop. Now, in two weeks, Johnny, we're going to give our predictions. <clears throat> who wins each division? Who wins the conferences? And who goes to the Super Bowl? We're going to give all those in two weeks. Of course, next week, we're going to continue our going around the NFL. Great show today, John. Remember, you can catch John's podcast, the Spartan Pride Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Johnny. All right. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network.